Trilby Kent is an award-winning children's author. Her most recent book, which is uh, written as an adult book, is Silent Noon. Based in 1953 on an imaginary island near the UK, a 14-year-old boy is sent to a boarding school where he's shunned by his classmates as a charity pupil. He makes a bond, though, with the housemaster's daughter and a senior student, and they start to uncover these secrets within the school community. This story is meant to show the struggle of a peacetime generation finding its way out of the shadow of war. And Trilby joins me on the line. Hi, Trilby. Hi. Now, your first uh, novel, Medina Hill, your, it was a children's novel, was set in the 30s between the world wars, and this one is set in the 50s. What is it about post-war that interests you? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that, actually. Um, one of the, the things that I find most interesting um, about writing historical fiction is kind of skirting around the big events in history that everyone knows about. And obviously, in, in children's literature especially, there's loads of books um, set during the Second World War. Um, and what interests me are those, those times around the, the fringes of, of these you know, big events. Um, so in the case of Medina Hill in the 1930s, those tense years leading up to um, what we all know was going to become um, a huge conflict. People then sort of didn't necessarily. Um, and in the case of Silent Noon, my interest was then looking at how society had changed in the wake of um, you know, this, this cataclysmic event. Um, my first adult novel, Smoke Portrait, was also set in the 1930s, and that mm. was actually the book I'd written most recently when I started thinking about Silent Noon. Um, so in a way, I guess it was sort of a natural progression that having covered the 30s, I was going to skip the 40s and then jump straight to the 50s and look at how English society um, had really changed and how some of the challenges facing young people in those years had changed drastically, but others had, had actually remained surprisingly constant. Now, you said that the Second World War, and I guess maybe both, led to spatial anxiety. What do you mean by that? Well, the most obvious thing would be the, the massive dislocation, physical dislocation that um, occurred during the Second World War that, that affected thousands of, of people, um, particularly in, in Europe. So you're looking at forced migrations, you're looking at, at, at the forced dislocation of um, Europe's Jews, for one thing, um, to internment camps, concentration camps, labor camps. Um, the same thing is happening right across Russia. The same thing is happening in Southeast Asia. Um, you have a lot of people after the war unable to return to the place that they knew as home because home no longer existed. It had been bombed out of, you know, into oblivion um, because entire communities had, had been killed. Um, and so in a very real way, the, you know, the physical landscape had, had changed, um, and the social landscape had changed as well. And so part of the reason that I set Silent Noon in this imaginary location on this island in the North Sea, um, you know, it, it's sort of partly a metaphor for that sense of, of drifting and, and unbelonging that I think was, was probably a really rampant um, experience for a lot of people at, at the time. Now, the children of the Western world today are living an entirely different experience today than the years, you know, that, that you've covered in your books between the wars and after the second. How do you think that's affecting their view, how their views develop? That's a really interesting question. Um, how are their views developing differently? I mean, 
it's a bit of a truism. It's something that we hear a lot that, you know, the last couple of generations, we haven't really had our own wars. We haven't um, suffered in, in the same way that, that, for instance, our grandparents' generation um, would have, you know, with the experience of, of the Depression, the Second World War, Vietnam, and so on. Um, and I think that there probably is a sense of, of you know, searching for what is our sort of coming-of-age experience supposed to be. I don't think that you necessarily have to have, um, you know, mega history as, as your coming-of-age moment. And, and certainly, mm-hmm. although I'm, I'm writing about big events, um, and, and the effects of, of these big events on, on you know, very s- small lives and sort of on, on a smaller scale. Um, I hope that I'm, I'm also writing about fairly sort of universal experiences of um, adolescents trying to find their way in the world and, and their place in the world. Um, one of the inspirations for this book came from the fact that I spent a couple of years living on site at a boarding school um, in the south of England, in the countryside, far from anywhere, um, and just observing the, you know, the relationships there between the students, between the staff, between students and staff, um, that was what I found really fascinating, and, and that's what I'm writing about in Silent Noon as much as you know, the bigger picture, the bigger history. Right, living in this sort of secluded world of a yes, boarding school. exactly. Yeah. And it's a fascinating world. I mean, the, the, the school where um, my husband and I were based had, I think it was something like 400 acres, vast, vast grounds, um, areas there which were, you know, could be at certain times of, of day and night pretty lawless. And it was, that was the thing that I found really interesting was how, how young people sort of used these spaces and colonized spaces and the sort of unwritten rules um, that go with, getting hundreds of teenagers together and, and sort of keeping them together, you know, imprisoned in one place seven days a week um, and, and what happens under those sorts of circumstances. Trilby, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much.